You are listening to the Captain's Coach Podcast, where we provide top insights into sports leadership to inspire team captains to lead their teams more effectively and help coaches to systematically develop and use them. Now, here's your co-host, Luke Poulos. captains coach listeners i'm super excited about today's guest on an extra special episode it's not every day that i have the opportunity to sit down and talk to a legendary figure in the sports world but that is exactly the opportunity i had today with coach morgan wooten who among other things has the second most all-time wins in basketball period john wooden is quoted speaking about coach wooten saying i know of no finer coach at any level high school college or pro I stand in awe of him. Coach Wooten coached at DeMatha Catholic High School in Maryland, which is actually one of my high school alma mater's rivals. So I grew up hearing about the extraordinary success uh, of Coach Wooten and DeMatha's basketball team. And just a couple of stats for you all to put things in perspective. Coach Wooten's all-time record as a head coach is 1,274 wins and only 192 losses. He's won five high school national championships, 22 Washington, D.C. city titles, and 33 Washington Catholic Athletic Conference championships. He is one of only three high school basketball coaches in the Basketball Hall of Fame. And the list of accolades goes on and on, and you can find them all with just a quick search of his name on Google. I'm just finishing up one of his books, A Coach for All Seasons, and I highly recommend it for anyone out there, not just for athletes, but anyone looking to improve their life or, or a culture as a parent or, or a teacher. It was such an honor to talk to Coach Wooten today with his wealth of knowledge, and really it was just a fun conversation to have in general. I really, really, really hope you all enjoy it. So here it is on another episode of the Captain's Coach Podcast. So, I mean, it's hard to, to even pick a spot to start off with you, Coach, but um, I, I guess uh, to kind of set the – the table for the rest of the conversation. What were some of the underlying principles and values that you kind of instilled from when you first started coaching um, leading up to when you got to DeMath and then obviously the decades of success you had there? What were some of those um, values and principles that you tried to instill from, from the early going um, in terms of leadership or, or just in, in terms of your captains? Well, you know, basically, uh, the first thing I tried to do was uh, to make sure that I tried, or not tried, but that I was myself. I didn't try to be somebody else. I didn't try to imitate a Red Auerbach or a John Wooden or anyone like that. <clears throat> I just tried to be the best me that I could be. And I also, which I thought was very important, I wanted to be the kind of coach that I always wanted to play for. Uh, I had the good fortune to have good coaches when I was in uh, grade school and then high school and even a year of college. I was just an average athlete at best, but I had good people coach me. And uh, that's what I wanted to be, the kind of coach that uh, that I always wanted to play for. And uh, so in trying to be yourself and be the best coach that you can be, trying to be the best person you can be, uh, that was one of my main thoughts as I started off. And also equally important, 
uh, I wanted to make sure that they never allowed the sport to use them. I wanted them to use basketball, football, whatever the sport was that I was coaching, that they would use all the principles that they developed or found in those sports to help them live the game of life and become the best people they can be. And so uh, the idea of the young student athlete uh, just being the best person you can be, uh, that was all in my basic thinking when I started off. Yeah, like, uh, you know, I'd mentioned I've been reading your book, A Coach for All Seasons, and that was one of the things I really liked that you um, always stressed your team was that, you know, whatever sport it was, either basketball or football, it was never higher than than fourth on their list of priorities. Um, I thought that was always a good lesson, especially for high school students, and especially in a sport like basketball, where kids are so highly touted these days coming out of high school, it's good to keep them grounded and let them know you know, there's more out there. And, and like you said, have them use this sport and not let the sport use them. Um, what have been kind of the, the biggest changes or shifts that you've seen in basketball uh, at the high school level and maybe just sports in general throughout your time coaching? Uh, well, let me just, uh, before I start on that, again, let me finish with the point you just kind of reminded me of. Priorities were everything. And we always said God first. Uh, family second, school, academics third, and then the sport no higher than fourth. And I always found that those who had their priorities in the proper order, they always did the best. And that I thought was very, very important. You talk about the changes I see today, uh, and I kind of saw them coming a long time ago. Uh, I kind of think that the authority issue has slipped away. In other words, in the old days, you know, you had the principal of the school and the uh, and an athletic director, and the coach was always answerable to the athletic director, to the principal, to the philosophy that the school had, that type of thing. Now, today, I see where more outside groups, particularly with these AAU setups uh, existing, uh, that seems to be where the, the youngsters are paying all of their tribute and their attention to. And... Uh, it seems that the AAU coaches and the coaches outside of the school are calling all the shots. And these people aren't responsible to any educators. And to me, uh, the idea of the sports played at the grade school, high school level, uh, it was all part of your school, your academic education. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I see that type of uh, cohesiveness today. Yeah, I think that, that kind of goes back to what you're saying about your priorities and some of those those AAU programs and for other sports, the club programs that are separated from the schools may not have the, the same priorities that that a high school has for, you know, higher education and, and the community environment, whereas their reason for existence is just for that team or that program specific to that sport. Is there, was there anything that you found, obviously, A, you became more prevalent um, in your later years of coaching. Was there anything that you found effective um, to kind of not necessarily push back against AAU but, or, or some of those outside influences, but was there anything that you found effective to kind of keep your players inside your program and keep that their, their main focus and kind of keep the club and outside influences kind of secondary to what you guys were trying to do? Well, in our situation, we wouldn't have let it affect 
our program, though I saw it affecting other programs, because real simple, uh, they had a choice to make. If they were interested in these outside uh, programs, outside control, fine, goodbye, and good luck. Uh, and they knew that, so they had a choice. It was DeMatha uh, or another program, and uh, fortunately, all of our kids picked DeMatha. Uh, I knew we had one brief situation with a couple of my good players got yanked away on a uh, AAU trip. Uh, it went quite a distance, actually, almost to Vegas. And uh, I got word I'd been on summer vacation, and uh, we gave him a day to get back. And we found out when he got back that the uh, the entertainment provided for them out there wasn't very healthy, in my opinion. Mm. And uh, and I just told him, you know, they had, they had the choice to make. And, of course, their choice was to math, and they knew they had made a mistake. And that was the only problem that emerged at that time because our kids knew it was real simple. It was 100% in our program or, fine, go to some other program you like better. Yeah, and I think – that's a that's a really good point, and, and those listening who may have not have read your book, I, I think you lay out a lot of good things um, in some of your chapters about what services you kind of offered as a coaching staff and as a school that really incentivized people staying in your program because you did such a good job taking care of them from an education standpoint, and DeMatha did a great job among the rest of the, the WCAC schools. Um, as well as your your philosophy and the way you go about your players being recruited, I think that that played a huge part. And I think coaches need to understand in order for you to give them that kind of choice, you know, you have to offer them something and, and figure out what AAU is offering them and making them understand that you have something more to offer them and that you have things that they can't offer. Um, and it seems like you've always done a, a great job of that during your during your coaching tenure well it's always been a lot a lot of fun and seeing our young young people you know go on to bigger and better things they uh, and really living the idea of they were not going to let basketball use them but they were going to use basketball to help them be the best person they could possibly become and they knew that they were going to get a good education because we stressed academics that was more important than basketball and so when the colleges came calling, they were going to be academically ready uh, as well as physically ready. And so as a player, as a student, and as a human being, they became the kind of kids that uh, colleges wanted to recruit. And uh, that's why just such a great number of our youngsters were able to go on to college and uh, have very successful careers there. And you know, saw them graduate from college and become uh, doctors and lawyers and TV personalities and on and on and on. It was all based, I think, on the, you know, having their all priorities in the proper order and being in the right program. Yeah, and it's always great. Um, in one of my, my last conversations um, with Jim Gibbons, he was talking about his, his college team um, at Ithaca College for football and just how great it is to see everyone from his team and how well they're doing in life to this day. Um, and I think that's a great mark of great programs and great teams is that they go on from their sport and they continue that excellence in, in all areas throughout their life. Uh, apart from the priorities and obviously the other lessons on um, not letting basketball 
use them and, and using the sport to, to gain an advantage in life. Was there anything else that you as a coaching staff or the school as an organization, um, was there anything that you guys did systematically to train or develop leaders on your teams or, or your team captains, even anything specific that you did to develop them? Well, uh, you know, I think, uh, well, we did a lot of little things along the way, which I'm sure helped them develop as a complete person, you know, cause you want to, you, you love the fact to see a, a young guy become a, a complete person to be that good student athlete, that scholar athlete, uh, that had his priorities in the proper order. Uh, one of the things we had a lot of fun with was before every practice, we had what we called the thought of the day. And we say, hey, fellas, now the thought of the day is, and I go, boom. And it could be anything, like, for example, you could say, it wasn't raining when Noah built the ark. That's our thought of the day. And then we'd have two hours of basketball practice or whatever the time was. And then we always got together for a team meeting afterwards in the classroom. And if I forgot to bring it up, what I'm going to say, hey, coach, what about the thought of the day? And then you would hear each person give their opinion of what that thought of the day meant and how it applied to life. And at the end, we had people coming to me with their idea of thoughts of the day. And all of them did one thing, emphasized becoming the most complete person you could become, becoming the best student you could become, the best athlete you could become, the best best person, and to you know, de- develop your skills and, and, your, and your good habits to become the best person you could become. And uh, that was one of the little which might call it a little gimmick that thought of the day, which really helped a lot. And to this day, I'll have kids 30, 40 years later, come back and say, you know, I'll never forget that one thought of the day, which really touched my life. So basically what I'm saying is little things make the big things happen. And that was one of the little things it did. So that kind of went along with our philosophy of constantly trying to help them become better and better at everything they did. I couldn't agree with you more. I think, if you ask a lot of coaches or, or players from great programs and teams, it's always comes back to the little things. I know I had my college coach, uh, Joe Albarisi on in one of the first episodes, he, he stressed the little things we did day in and day out that really factored into the leadership and the team cohesion. And I love, I love the quote of the day. Um, we had something similar at West Point. For, for lacrosse practices, I actually had to give a, a quote of the day every day for my freshman year. Um, and it actually reminds me uh, a lot of Coach Krzyzewski's, um every day of practice, he would write one word on the whiteboard and he would kind of hit his whole thing. I'm sure you're familiar with it. He had a, instead of giving the definition of the word, he would tell a story from his own, from his own life about what that word meant to him. And, and his goal was during practice or during a game, those players had, you know, a word to fall back on. And his goal was for all of them by the end of their career and throughout their lives that they would use their own words and come up with their own words and attach their own stories to these words to develop their own, their own meanings. And, and I think another big piece of, of what you've been hitting on is that holistic person um, becoming a more complete individual and that's been a theme throughout my conversations as well, is that the greatest programs and the greatest leaders, whether it be coaches or the team captains, uh, have all exhibited the, the characteristic of, of interpersonal relationship and, and caring more about an individual's well-being off the field or off the court 
than they do necessarily their well-being on the court or on the field. Yeah, great. Uh, and you, you've been able to sit back and see how beautifully that entire philosophy works, and uh, it will continue to work as it's used wisely. Yeah, hopefully we can more and more programs and players and coaches can can understand the impact of you know caring about not just the what's happening on the field in practice and in games and the success of the team, but also the success on the field. I think we're seeing more and more of it. Um, the, the talk about culture, uh, especially, uh, I know it came up a bunch during the national championship game when it came to um, Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney for Clemson and Alabama. Um, on, on top of going along with, with culture, was there, was there anything else that went on behind the scenes um, that maybe your players um, did or that you guys did as a coaching staff that maybe wasn't easy to spot by outsiders that really promoted leadership development or team cohesion outside of, um, outside of the, the, you know, the complete individual development? Well, I think the, uh, an important thing that took place, and I like to even hear from my players today when they comment on it, that really as a coach, you're a teacher. And uh, you're not a screamer, a cursor, a hollerer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, for example, uh, I, w I would always tell our players that, uh, to the best of my knowledge, I will never embarrass you. I will never abuse you. I will never scream or holler at you. You'll never hear me curse at you. And if any way I ever, ever upset you or embarrass you, uh, you let me know about it, please. And I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, we had a year in which a lot of our big guys had graduated and, we had a, a, a player named Chris Gilday, good player, and we needed him to rebound better. And I maybe got on him a little bit too much about getting on the boards. And he asked me at the end of practice, could he have a few words with me? And I said, yes. And he's, and I always told him, always feel free to come talk one-on-one, -on -one, be delighted to. And he said, coach, he's always, I know you want me to rebound better, but I'm kind of going into a shell because you're kind of getting on me too much. So he was very honest. And so I learned a great lesson right there. And he was able to teach me to back off a little bit and let's approach this a different way. So I think that the fact that the players feel they can come, if you create an atmosphere, they feel that they can come talk to you, discuss things with you one-on-one, -on -one, and it'd be nothing but good things happen because of it. That's a big part of coaching too. And I think we had that going in our program pretty well. Yeah, that's amazing that you had that kind of atmosphere going on that you made high school kids really feel that comfortable to approach you as, as such an authority figure in their life and really be able to express that. And like you said, it was something that you consistently expressed day in, day out, year after year, and something that was kind of just ingrained into your philosophy and your organization that it was not only okay, but encouraged to express how your, your feelings were and express, um, how well or how poorly messages were being put across by not just players, but also the coaching staff and the program as a whole. It worked, which was an important thing. Outside of uh, that atmosphere, uh, 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 the, the comfort and the atmosphere you had with your players and the complete individual development, what do you think your, your biggest impact as a coach 
was on your players in terms of their leadership development? Um, you know, maybe it, if it if it wasn't anything other than just the the complete individual um, development or or teaching as a teacher, not just a coach. Well, uh, I don't know. I, I think maybe it's just summed up in that uh, we had a great relationship between you know, between each individual and, and the coach and, uh, and that freedom that they felt that they could come and talk with you and lay their problems out. Uh, I can't, can't begin to tell you, you'd be amazed at some of the problems that they'd be willing to come and talk to me about and get my opinion on. And, uh, so that I knew that you're doing a pretty good job if they're willing to do that. So, uh, again, I think it was a creation of that, atmosphere that environment in which they felt really free to come talk to you like you were their big brother their buddy their friend and hey i got a problem can you help me and they weren't afraid about what problem to throw in front of you and all of that i think told us that uh the sport was helping them develop as complete human beings yeah and i think it kind of is just a, a circular um repayment there in that you were building them as more complete individuals and you were helping them with that mentorship in, in real life. And at the same time, it definitely had an impact in terms of how much they trusted you on the court and how much you trusted them on the court. And it, it kind of just plays back and forth on itself. You know, the more that they can depend on you outside of basketball, the more they're willing to trust you with basketball and the same thing for you as well. You know, the more comfortable they are coming to you, maybe the more comfortable you are giving them a little bit more leeway in terms of what they're doing on the court or with, with team strategy or what they want to do with practices, that kind of thing. Yeah, very true. I know. I think that it was evident because that trust carried over to all areas and uh, you know, that, that area of trust helps to create a great program. Uh, I think uh, a great feeling and the good, the fact that they, the achievement is really great. Yeah, I think just in general, um, what we can take from your example so far has been um, really, really creating that atmosphere um, and, and building that trust and that, that cohesive team. Thanks for listening to the Captain's Coach Podcast with Luke Poulet. If you liked what you just heard, please give us a five-star review on iTunes and check out our website at captainscoach.com. Join us next time for another edition of the Captain's Coach Podcast.